1: That voice right there, Andrew Zimmer, <laughs> celebrity chef. Oh, 26. He's doing 26 appearances here on Radio <laughs> Road today. He's on the A number one air hot seat segments brought to you by the Frankels. Life's unpredictable, accidents happen. Franklin Frankel, the go to attorneys for car and truck wrecks in DFW. If you or a loved one's been in an accident, contact the Frankels, 214 or 817 333 3333. Go online to truckwreck.com. I do think this is the most excited Brian's been for an interview. He's always <laughs> <This> talking <laughs> cooking on this show, Andrew. I tell you is what, he this,
3: really? this, yes, man, this is. man is a legend. Yeah, he is a legend. Well, he, thank you. That's he, he of, is a he's a teacher. He teaches you, you about food, and he teaches you all kinds of food and culture and culture. And the, yeah, your and show, Sto- Bazaar Foods, is incredible. Amazing, amazing content you do, sir. I, I appreciate
2: that. It's very kind. You know, you were, we were talking about uh, right when we came up into into. The, live segment and I said the words 26 referring to the the different places that I've been talking to folks. Um, And and someone said to me, aren't you tired? And you know, there's a part of me that's like, sure. I mean, I was up at three this morning. Sure. First hit was at four o'clock Pacific time. But the fact of the matter is, is that there's nothing that I would rather be talking about than how we, we fight childhood hunger. How we statistically eliminate all hunger in America, and sort of what it takes to do that. You know, we're very, very lucky that we know where our next meals are coming from, uh, and so many in this country don't. It's it's no longer fair. It's it, it, it's no longer criminal. It's not an embarrassment. I believe it's essentially genocidal, because it disproportionately affects women and people of color. And since we have the capability to solve the problem, that we don't means we're purposely deciding not to. Mm -hmm. So somewhere out there, there are people who, if I ask the question, are you for keeping children hungry? They... They're lying if they don't raise their hands, and I need to find those people. So I'm trying to talk to as many folks as I can. You're wow, that's an amazing job.
1: message, Andrew. How, how do we activate here to, to uh, contribute?
2: Well, I mean, I think the thing is is that what a lot of people don't understand is that if you have the opportunity to get into the Oval Office and talk to you know, a, a president and his staff, and I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to three from both sides of the aisle. This is not red or blue. This is not left or right. This is you know, seven administrations kicking the the hunger can down the road the same way they've kicked the immigration reform can down the road. And these are issues that lead to much bigger issues. When you sit there in the White House, someone turns to you and says, where does that program you're describing work? Where does it exist? Where can we see it? Because no president is gonna roll the dice and risk having a, investing in a program and not looking good because they all wanna get reelected, right? right. And if it's their second term, they need to have someone else in their party reelected. It's a systemic problem that creates, you know, a a stuck-in-the-mud feeling. You have to be able to demonstrate where a program has worked. So when I look at great, great nonprofits like Gen Youth, they go into schools, they partner with, you know, Quaker, PepsiCo Foundation, Frito Lay, the NFL, creating programs, putting equipment and food back in schools so that we can then go to state governments and and municipalities and say, this works. Dollar in puts a dollar and a half, dollar seventy back in the community, right? Because we save all that money because the kids don't get sick, they attend more, parents are at work more. I mean, so you can see that it actually is to our benefit. It's not, can we afford to spend the 17 billion dollars a year is we can't afford not to right we'll save 26 billion dollars a year by sending 17 it's economics 101 plus morally it's the right thing to do so what i try to do is work with nonprofits of all kinds who are trying to do different things in the hopes that we can convince municipal and state governments to actually move the needle so that then we can go into washington dc and say see this works right now we have 5 states that are offering a uh, essentially a free school lunch program that extends to breakfast and dinner. And in some states, like Minnesota, I'm very proud to say, it's 365 days a year, right? Because weekends and summer is where it gets really tough for mm-hmm. a lot of kids. 70% of kids in America are primarily fed, primarily. That means the majority of their food, by weight and by meal, comes in schools, wow. right? Mm-hmm. We have to do better in this. I mean, th- these are kids. Mm-hmm. This is food right. I, it, it boggles my mind and so i love the fact that we have taste of the nfl.com i i love the fact and, and this party on saturday that raises so much money the biggest fundraiser uh of super bowl week 100 players miss america cirque de soleil 40 chefs and and we raise a lot of money to to
1: do the right thing it's andrew zimmern here with us and, and thank you so much for your passion and your attention yes, on absolutely. that issue we are in las vegas here for the super bowl yep if you got one one night to go get dinner, where are you going? Uh, I was just asked this before, and
2: uh, you know, luckily, a lot of your listeners are not here, yeah, and listening to me right now because then I'm standing online line screaming at the door. I, but I have a reservation. <laughs> there are a couple of restaurants uh, off the strip that are as good as any in America, and there's a Japanese izakaya uh, about two and a half miles from where we sit called Aburria Raku. R-A-K-U. Uh, now, there is a big Japanese restaurant, Raku, on the Strip, but it's not Abariya Raku. It's a small 60-seat Kaiseki. Everything is flown in from Japan every single day. It's mostly uh, a lot of grilled food. It's absolutely out of this world. One of the best restaurant experiences you can have uh, in this city. I, I also have to say, the argument was always, and I used to make it, uh you know, go to San Francisco, go to L.A., San Gabriel, San Gabriel Valley, go to Flushing, Queens in New York, and you'll find the best Chinese food in America, the best Japanese, the best Thai, the best Korean, the best Filipino. Las Vegas is now in the conversation. Las Vegas is now in the conversation. It's expanded its population so, so immensely over the last 15 years, the majority of which are immigrants from Asian countries, obviously Pacific to the western coast of the United States, and found jobs here in the desert as Las Vegas has grown, Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've noticed, over the last decade and a half. And because housing is inexpensive, they can actually afford to work in the food service industry, unlike in other cities where you can't. Hello, Seattle. Hello, San Francisco, (laughs) Portland, New York. And they can actually develop uh, a a design for living that allows them to have a family and, and achieve the American dream. And the result of that for us as diners is that some of the best Asian food in the world is in this city. Hmm. And Abari Araku is just one example. And I encourage people to get out there and seek out all these fabulous restaurants that uh, are about a mile and a half away serving some incredible, incredible food.
3: I was going to ask you this question of, like, if there was—there's Super Bowl cities that get to host— And so you have like a New York that hosts, terrible, they a, and an LA should host. never
2: be there again. See, LA but, should but, never but be see, there if again. I was going
3: to say if you had to pick it just on on restaurants as a host city.
2: Well, I'll tell you something. Here's here's the deal. If if, if it's restaurants, you still have to get to them. Okay. The problem when we had to, and I've been to. 24 Super Bowls. I knew, I knew the, this was, the, yeah. The problem is, is that if everything takes an hour and a half to get there, right. and everything is spread out all over the place, you don't mm-hmm. feel like you're in a Super Bowl city. The environment isn't conducive to it. I love, and, and, and we haven't even played the game yet, I love Las Vegas as a Super Bowl city because you can walk everywhere, right? right? You're not sitting there waiting hours and hours and hours. New York was a disaster. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, we're lucky people didn't fall off the... the the train tracks, was anyone there? I mean, you had to I take was, the train yeah. out, and then you had to switch oh. when you got over to the Jersey side, and they were pulling people along, and people were walking on the edge of those tracks. Now and It was five degrees. It was awful. And yeah. then it started to rain during yeah. the game. I mean, what a mess. And a $30 hot chocolate, I'm sorry, an abomination. Unreal. Um, and, and I'm a New Yorker. Right. I love my hometown, right? right? Um, New Orleans, I mean, that's the only city in the world and I challenge you to come up with another one, where when I say it, everyone at this table, who's, if you've been there, yeah. can smell it and taste it, your version of it. I mean, right mm-hmm. away, New Orleans, you, I mean, if you're a coffee and beignet mm-hmm. guy, you smell Cafe Du Monde, you can mm-hmm. feel the dampness and the immunity, two in the morning after you've been out with friends having coffee and beignets, mm-hmm. uh, or the smell of rue burning, you know, right. or chilies, uh, or that wonderful, you know, New Orleans-Italian hybrid that exists only in that city. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, you can have it here in New Orleans every single alternate years. Let's, you know, let's do, do our best to support those restaurant communities. I would like to support restaurant communities everywhere.
1: The problem in a lot of the cities other than those two is you just can't get to them. Mm. You know, good luck. Mm-hmm. Celebrity chef Andrew Zimmern here with you on The Fan. This is outstanding. Okay, so what's your go-to Super Bowl recipe?
2: Uh, my grandmother's tailgating pot of love. She called it pea soup. I zhuzhed, I judged the crap <laughs> out of that thing. I mean, I put smoked ham hocks. I put, you know, homemade garlic sausage in there after I browned it. A lot of dill, copious amounts of, of vinegar to, to balance out all of that. those fatty pork products. Uh, the recipe is on my website at andrewzimmer.com. We have a whole Super Bowl section, a tailgating section. I mean, I love sports and food. Bef- before Bizarre Foods... Uh, Travel Channel tested me out, and you know I hit the right number, and they said, "Okay, we want to do a show with this guy." And they, I made two pilots for them. I made world's best ballpark foods, and I made bizarre foods. And when I tell you, I came home and told my my then you know my first of nine wives, <laughs> uh, "Honey, I, I think I found my dream," and she's like, "What's that? The traveling and the the mm-hmm. food?" I'm like, "No, no, no." I'm going to go to sporting events all over the world and eat the food there. And I'm going to live the greatest life of all time. And when they tested both of them, Bizarre Foods was incre- you know two-tenths of a point Ooh. rated better than the other one. I used to go to them all the time. I said, let's do both. Let me do a couple of sporting shows. Yeah. I mean, I, I do have to tell you, network executives are some of the the most risk-averse people I've ever met in my life, yet every success they've ever had has been because they took a risk. Mm. I mean, Barney, okay, we've got this purple dinosaur, (laughs) right? I mean, and someone said yes, but 100 people said no No. before that. Um, So, yeah, it's my grandmother's... I I love food and sports, and I like to... You know, if we're watching World Cup and, you know, France is playing Italy, pick a team, theme it around that... Um, yeah, my grandmother's, look, gonna if you're going to do a Super Bowl spread, you got to have something in the chip and dip category. have mm. to. Whether it's a hot artichoke dip or, you know, uh, guacamole. But you got to have it, something in the chip and dip category. You have to have something in the wing category. I think my Chinese spicy sticky wings on our website are great. Uh, you've got to have something in a bowl. Because when I put a warm bowl of something in your hand, oh. the the then we're having an emotional transaction. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's not just nutritional or financial or whatever, it's an emotional transaction. So, you know, you got to have something like that. You got to have a roast. You know, cuz I'm not making you a damn sandwich. I want to watch the game. So, right. get up, slice the meat, I cooked it, grab a bun, grab your condiments, make yourself a sandwich so that like anyone it. at any time can grab that. You got to have a sweet of some kind right fourth Ooh, quarter. Right? Right? Got to have me. a sweet, yeah. to. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, so when I think in there and I sort of rate like which of my favorite wing recipes, what my favorite meal in a bowl, chippy dippy, yes. no roasty. Well, my my brisket for brisket Ooh. sandwiches is is right up there. But you know we do that at the holidays in my house because sure. I'm a nice Jewish boy from New York. Like so this. I'm I, I'm going with Grandma's tailgating pot of love. At the Taste of the NFL, I'm doing my black bean chili, oh, uh, which is a, a kick ass chili recipe. I encourage people to go to the, the website, no paywall. This isn't a shameless plug. Just go, there's a lot of resource there for people. You have time to go out and buy anything you want. You can soak black beans overnight, but we start with whole muscle pork shoulder, dice it up, brown it, and then start building off of that. It takes about four hours to cook, but the stovetop does all the work. Uh, but, yeah, it's a great chili recipe. What, That's what, right up there.
1: What's your big Super Bowl no-no from a spread standpoint? Because, like, for me, it's like it's all about the dips. That's the headliner for me for the Super Bowl. And uh, you can't do the community dip. Everybody's dipping it in there. There goes a thumb. All of a sudden we're double dipping. Yep. You know, that, to me, oh, I dropped a chip. Now I'm digging. What are you,
2: Howie Mandel? Yeah, like,
1: what, what, like, what are we doing? <laughs> Trust me, he's very far from Howie Mandel. But when he gets to
3: the dips, he takes it seriously. No, I take Man- it seriously. you got to tell me who I'm, Howie Mandel is. You know, i <laughs> Deal or no deal. I'm with yeah, okay, you. I'm glad you. Knew. Yes. <laughs> so
1: that's my biggest. That's my, like like put a bowl there and I'll, like let's self serve it. Now you take your own dip to your couch and you can do whatever you want do you with what, your own dip. Do you want? You know what I
2: don't like? And you literally just as I was about to say it, you said the opposite of it. Oh, no. In the last four words. No, no, no. We're on the same. Oh, page. Okay, good. <laughs> do what you want with it. What I don't like is when I go somewhere and there's eight bowls of chili already yeah. out. If they're going to get cold, I can't mm-hmm. eat yeah. one of everything at the same time. And it has. Onions and sour cream and avocado and cheese. Because the person saw it in some ridiculous food magazine, and it was a pretty picture. It's like, that's food styling. Put the other things around the... Like, I want to have choices with my food, right? Um, Not everybody wants it blazingly spicy. I know if I'm cooking for my kid Noah, he and I can say we have the same spice... Like, okay, we're good, right? right? I know what level of heat I'm cooking. Everyone else, you know, Uncle Henry... I mean, a, a little bit of black pepper, and he's got angina. <laughs> so, you know, put something hot on the side with it, right? Yeah. I, I don't want—do you, you ever go to a party, and they, they, there's a bowl of guacamole, and someone decides to make—I call it a porcupine. All the chips are in the guacamole oh, yeah. getting soggy. You yeah. can't even oh, get really it out of the there. Worst. Just leave it alone. Give everyone the opportunity to make their own. And I will tell you, for those listening who think I'm crazy, the more you involve your your guest with making the food decision for themselves, the more attached they will be emotionally to the thing. They have built Ooh. it themselves. When I'm cooking, I like to give my guests or customers in my restaurants the choice. Okay. Right? It, it it attaches. I mean it's just it's 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 101. If you order a chocolate sundae in a restaurant, it comes with everything on it and there's something you don't like, you know, like the cherry or the whipped cream or whatever, you push it to the side, you're starting out with a negative emotional transaction. If I bring you the ice cream and all like six different fixings and then the waiter puts server puts a little tub of hot chocolate sauce and caramel sauce down and says go for it yourself you're in love yeah. you're in love you're pouring stuff you're de- yes. you're making your own thing you're 5 years old again right it's fun it's playful exactly Absolutely. i mean you know food shouldn't be so serious you know except that eating well in America even eating is a class issue right so let's at least for those of us that have it try to enjoy it not take it so seriously and when you're entertaining at home make sure you give your guests the choices don't make all the choices for them.
3: Andrew you talk about your restaurants and being in kitchens and stuff have you ever had staff want to kick your ass? All the time. Did you like MF your staff? Would you be like yelling at him and stuff like that for service and things like I'm that? S-
2: I'm 62 years old. Yeah. When I came up, I was beaten in restaurants. Yeah, um, I was hit in restaurants. Yeah. Um, hurt people, hurt people. Um, <laughs> I put I put a, a a French oyster knife through my hand when I was 18 and a half years old, cooking at a three star Michelin restaurant in Paris, and I poured vodka on it and wrapped my hand. In cloth that probably weren't clean, and I worked the rest of the shift because right. if I had left, they wouldn't let me back. in. They wouldn't in. let you back in. That's the way it was in the early late seventies, early eighties when I was sort of coming up. I learned very quickly from uh, one of my partners in nineteen ninety four. I was a chef in a restaurant. It was the the it was rated number one in Minneapolis, right? not too shabby major American city. I've got the best restaurant in town. And he looks at me and we were celebrating like our one year anniversary or something. And he got, he made some sort of negative comment. And I said, what do you mean by that, Michael? And, and he said, you know, something we're lucky. We got a line of people trying to get in here to work with you that thank God is a little bit bigger than the line of people leaving. (laughs) And it turned out what I sucked at was managing other people. Sure, you get nothing by yelling right. at people. Right, you need to enroll people. And it was that mo- I was a different person the next day at work. No one had ever said that sure. to me. I no longer thought it was funny to harass servers. I understood the concept of team. Like it's like my everything changed. I realized, oh my God, that's what's holding me back. And luckily, after that, I was able to have an extreme amount of. Of success Eric repair who I believe is one of the you know ten greater chefs in the world is the same thing once he discovered and became a practicing Buddhist he stopped even raising his voice in a kitchen he won't wow. even shout if he's trying to get someone's attention because he doesn't want to create that bad habit for himself I, I think we get so much in this world by enrolling other people rather than marginalizing sure. them um, and and look do I make mistakes sure but I have never made that mistake again sure. wow.
1: you're the man Andrew Thank you,
2: so Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Andrew.
3: I love this. This is my favorite part of the whole trip <laughs> right here. I I move we over here in the old city. No, this is my favorite part. When we we go back to Dallas, we talk about who was our best interview? Boom, <laughs>
2: right there. Zim Day. Thank you. Thank you very much. Happy me on any time call. We'll talk food. We'll talk sports. Let's do it. Do whatever it. whatever you want to do. Check Absolutely. out
3: those recipes. They're all whatever good. You sure. do. They're all
1: good. Andrew Zimmern, celebrity chef. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great weekend here in Las Vegas. We're live on Radio Row, and Andrew's stepping away now from the A number one hot seat. We had so much news across DFW today, and we'll come back and talk more about those storylines next. It's the G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan.